Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. We are inspired by Mother Teresa who said, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Do Something Beautiful podcast and welcome to Motivation Monday. I know you are used to these or hopefully you're getting used to these short little quips that I've been putting out on Mondays just to kind of help you, I don't know, ground yourself or something. Another way to think about something in our life um, has our as how it relates to our faith. Today, we're going to do something a little different. I want to share with you something that's been on my heart for a very, very, very long time. And I have spoken about it um, in sprinklings of my podcast before, but I wanted to touch base on this Monday on something I find incredibly important for right now and in everything that we've been going through and what's going on. And also as it relates to something that I've been doing that I want to share with you. So that is really about John 4. I want to talk to you today about the Gospel of John 4. Um, No guest on today, just me chatting with you. So I just want to say hello. Um, I pray that you all are doing well right now. I pray that you have peace in your heart. Um, And if you don't, then I'm going to pray um, a little extra prayer um, over you as as we close out this quick Motivation Monday, um, that, that peace may reign that Christ's peace may reign within your heart. And of course, we know that sometimes like when we say peace, it doesn't mean that everything's calm and there's no problem. It just means that the troubles and the worries and the anxieties that we experience throughout the day can all be, can all find rest with Jesus Christ and his gospel. Okay. All right. So going back to John 4, John 4 is one of my favorite pieces um, inside the whole Bible. I know it's hard to say that because there's so many good things, but it is one that I know God is always, he continues to bring me back to this piece. And it's the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. Um, If you are a faithful longtime listener, you know that I talk about this pretty frequently, right? I I sprinkled in as, as often as I can, because I think it's so incredibly important and we can always go back to it, um, to find more truth and have the Spirit just talk to us there. And remember, the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. The Holy Spirit is what has inspired the written word of God himself. And so I just want to, um, before we start with John 4, I want to I go back to Genesis 1, Genesis 1, 27. Um, I have my Bible here in front of me, and when it, you'll hear the pages possibly turn around. But here it is, Genesis 1, 27. I think this is important to remember. Before we get into John 4, Genesis 1, 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And it goes on. But that begins with with Genesis 1.27. Genesis 1.27 again. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, right before that, in Genesis um, 1, uh, 26, so the verse right before it says, then God said, let us make man in our image. Our meaning the Trinity, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Okay. So now let's go back to John 4. And I know you're like, where's this going? 
I have connections. Don't worry, my friends. I have connections. Let's just go with it. I'm going to point out some some really important pieces in John 4 that I think are going to help us kind of unpack the beauty of what's there. One is in John 4, verse 4. I love this part. It says, he had to pass through Samaria. So if if you're if you're new to this story, this is the story of the, the you know the Samaritan woman at the well where Jesus comes and and meets with her and speaks with her. So we're going to go into that a little bit more. But before then, before before we even get there, you have to see that it is the will of God the Father, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, is being directed by his Father. And we see this in how it it, it is written. He had to pass through Samaria. He didn't have to. In fact, um, the Samaritans and the Jews did not get along. Two groups of people who who believed in different things, they didn't get along. There's been a big rift between them for a long time. So most of the time, Jews do not pass through Samaria. They go around. But it says he had to pass through Samaria. It goes on. So he came to a city of Samaria near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And so Jesus, wearied as he was with his journey, sat down beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Okay, so Jesus had to pass through Samaria. He follows, he obeys the will of his father. He passes through this town where he knows he's not welcome. As as a Jewish man, as a Jew, he's not welcome there. He stops at the well, Jacob's well. Does that ring in the Old Testament bells? It should. Okay, so he stops there and he and, and it says right away, they cut straight to the chase in John 4. It says, um, and this is John 4, verse 7. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So he was all alone. Again, John is wanting us to know exactly the setup here, that Jesus isn't with a, a group of guys at the well. He is by himself. He is at the well. And the only other person that is at the well right now is a Samaritan woman. And he has asked her to give him a drink. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? She's pointing out the, the like the obviousness, right? Like, look, <laughs> um, you're a Jew and uh, I'm from Samaria and, and, and I'm a woman. It's kind of like a no-brainer here. We're definitely not supposed to be talking, not supposed to get along, not supposed to interact. And it says, for the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is, at, that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and he whom you have now is not your husband. This you said truly. 
The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for such the Father seeks to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will show us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. I who speak to you am he. So that was a nice big chunk in John 4 of this beautiful interaction between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. What is so important to take away, there's so many important things to take away, and I am definitely not going to be here and, and act like I'm some, you know, massive expert on every single thing written here, but I've studied this enough to know a few things that are really important and that I think that we should be looking at is that one that Christ is is reaching out to her. He reaches out to all people, regardless of where they live or where they're from. Christ wants to reach to all people. The gospel is for all. The answer to every problem in the world, the answer to every problem within us, the answer to sin, my friends, is Jesus Christ. Amen? Gosh, I hope you're saying amen right now. The answer to every suffering is Jesus Christ. And he, he, he goes out to her and he, meet, he meets her at this well where she has, she's got her jug that she's going to draw the water with. And he is saying, listen, I am the water that you need to drink with. And it's so beautiful because he has this interaction, but for her to receive this living water that springs up to eternal life, to receive Christ in spirit and truth, she needs to come to a place where she can actually be, be cleaned right? Her, she has all these sins that are heavy and weighing on her. And so Jesus offers her this beautiful moment of reconciliation. He helps her by asking her these questions. And he tells her, well, go, go bring your husband to me. And she is so incredibly brave and bold. And she answers in truth. She answers in truth. She doesn't say, oh yeah, well, he's, um, he's not here right now. Well, yeah, he's, he's out doing some work. Um, around the town. <laughs> she doesn't do that. She could have lied. And how many of us lie when we are faced with a situation where we are called out, called out by somebody who loves us, hopefully, and really wants our greater good. And so all she did was say, you're right. That's, I don't, the five men I've been with in the past are definitely not my husband. The man I have now back home is not my husband. I've been living this life, you know, I think the context of the conversation, she could, could go on, it doesn't say this obviously in scripture, but she could go on saying, my whole life I've been searching for and and wanting something that I could dig into, right? She felt alone. We don't, we don't know her life. We don't know what she's been through. We don't know her experiences, but we know that they've been hard. We know that they have at least been hard. She's at the she's at the well in the middle of the day too, as it as said in the very beginning of John four. It was about the six hours, so we can kind of think about that, like probably around noon, something in that afternoon time. 
which is not the ideal time to go and draw water from the well. You want to do that early in the morning where it's very cool. And it's also a time for women typically back then to have their social engagement, right? Like all the women come together, they're all drawing water, they're chatting, they're getting caught up on what's going on in each other's lives. Um, That's the time. But she's alone and she's getting water, which means probably back in her, uh, her hometown there of Samaria, everybody knows who she is. She's the woman who's got all the all the, all the guys on the side, at least six so far. And if you know anything about the Old Testament history with Jacob at the well, this is the site of great proposals and marriages. And so who is the seventh man that she meets at the well? Who is the man she meets at the well? It's Jesus Christ, the bridegroom. It's beautiful to see. And he wants to give her what can only fulfill her. Those six men can't fulfill her. And she knows that because she's tried six times over. So what is it in our lives that we continue to go back to when we know it doesn't work? We know that thing we do, that thing we choose to engage in, it, it's, we, we know the ending. We know we're not going to be happy. We know we'll be dissatisfied. We know that it will lead us to sin. We, whatever it is, we do know that. We've been, giving, we've been given a beautiful mind that God is asking us to use and an intellect and a will to engage that mind and intellect and to act, take action. So what is our well? You know, and I think this is, this is what that story is wanting us to ask ourselves: that Christ meets us where we're at. He will meet you in the middle of your sin, but he loves you enough not to keep you there. He loves you enough not to just to say, well, good luck with that. And um, I'll see you later. No, Jesus doesn't give you a thumbs up. He's going to engage. He's going to ask questions. He's going, he's going to offer reconciliation. And that's what he does with the Samaritan woman. This is what he's offering to her. And what's so beautiful as she receives this reconciliation from Christ Jesus himself, this, recon- this, 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 this beautiful reconciliation, this beautiful gift of faith, that was first given to the Jews. And Jesus is showing us right here that this gift is meant for all people, even the Gentiles. This message is meant for all those who broke away from Israel from the very beginning. Like this message is for every single person because it is the body of Christ because every single person has been made in the image and likeness of God the Father, of God the Son, and God the Spirit. Christ is for every single person regardless of where they're from, what they look like, the language they speak, Christ is for everyone and Christ is the answer. And what's beautiful about this is that outside of, we can deduce that outside of the the private circle of Jesus and of course the Blessed Mother, which is included in that private circle, this is the first time we see in scripture that Jesus reveals his identity as Messiah to another person and that is a woman a woman. And as a woman, as a Christian woman, as a Catholic woman, I just, that makes me smile, right? It's beautiful what the gift that Christ gives us in so many different ways. And so he tells this woman, he tells this woman, I who speak to you am he. She says, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when he comes, he will show us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Wow. Can you imagine the interaction? Can you imagine her face when she's looking upon him, the Messiah, as he's spoken to her, as he's been so kind to her, 
as she bared her heart and she shared all of who she was and her sins and all of all of her faults, all of her attempts to fill her heart, to fill her life with with some type of connection and relationship and love. And it's left her, it's left her lonely. It's left her in pieces. It's left her broken. It's left her question her identity. And Christ helps her find out again who she is by revealing his identity to her. I who speak to you am he. I am the Messiah. And she's right. He will show us all things. So in this beautiful interaction, it's a little bit interrupted because just then it picks up in John 4, verse 27. Just then his disciples came. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, a woman, God forbid. But none said, what do you wish or why are you talking with her? They didn't say that. They were thinking it, but they did not say it. They marveled that he was speaking to a woman, a Samaritan woman. So the woman left her jar. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the city. She went back into the town where everybody knew. They know who she is. They know what she's done. And she said to the people of her town, she said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out to the city and were coming to him. They went out to the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples besought him and said, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him food? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? I tell you, lift up your eyes and see how the fields are already white for harvest. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there for two days and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of your words that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. This indeed is the Savior of the world. My friends, on this Monday here, this is your motivation. The motivation is not my words. The motivation is that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Amen? Amen. I'm going to say it for you because I can't hear you. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. I love that the town said, we don't believe anymore because of what you said, but we believe because of what we have heard. You so much in in sharing our testimony with others and sharing our story of Christ with others. It begins there. People might hear that story and be inspired and then they go deeper and they experience Christ for themselves and they say, I don't believe anymore because of your testimony, Leah, or because of your testimony, Sarah, or because of your testimony, Kevin. I believe because Christ, I've had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what we are called to do as Christians. 
to continue spreading the good news, to show everyone that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. It is Christ himself who will save all. It is the Holy Spirit that convicts. It is the Holy Spirit that converts. You see, we are called into this work. We are called into be labors for that which we did not labor. We are called to reap the harvest when we didn't do the work because it is Christ who does the work. It's the Holy Spirit who converts. But we are still called to do our part. I want you to remember that. You have a place in this world. You have a mission that God has set for you. He is calling in to meet you where you are He is asking you to put that water jar down of everything that you've been filling it up with that has not led to your holiness. He's asking you to put it down. He's asking you to follow him, to pick up your cross. Yep, that's right, to pick it up, and it's going to be hard, but to follow him because he is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. You see, the early the early church, the early Eastern church in this story of the woman at the well and the Samaritan woman who has this beautiful example of like all of us, she is a sinner like all of us, but Christ met her and she did what we should do. She went back to her town. She went back to her people and she told them, I met a man who told me all that I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? See, she even uses the tactics of what Jesus did with her. You see, Jesus began asking her questions, right? And then she revealed her heart. See, Sharing Christ is not always to condemn every single person. It's sin we condemn. It's sin we condemn. But we ask those beautiful questions. And John Paul II would talk about this. This The way that Jesus would speak is, is that John Paul phrases that Christ uses the question and answer dynamic in which Christ poses the questions in which he's also the answer. It's the question and answer dynamic. It's a beautiful thing. So the woman poses the question And she knows that Christ is the answer, and she allows them their own journey in seeking Christ. It's another beautiful part about being an evangelist, about being a Christian, is that we ask those questions, we share our testimony, we share Christ with others, and we are patient in the journey that Christ has them on, on his plan, on his time with that soul, right? It's not on our time. So the Eastern Church, the early Eastern Church, actually gave this woman, the Samaritan, because she's such a powerful figure in our life that we can lean on for an example of how Christ wants to work in our life every single day. And they gave her a name. Samaritan woman was just not good enough for them. And so God love them. I love that. And and so the, the early Eastern Church gave the Samaritan woman a name, and they gave her the name of Saint Photina. Photina. Saint Photina. So Photina is Greek for light. And in my, in my work and in my apostolate, I use the word lux. Lux is Latin for light, and it's all based. My whole work and my apostolate is based in this piece of the gospel of Gospel of John 4. Because we are called. We are called to encounter the Lord. He knocks on our door of our heart, and he waits for us to respond. You see, this work that we do, each and every one of us, is all geared towards heaven. That's our end goal. Our end goal is heaven. And that's what we're doing. I'm I'm putting on, if you're not familiar with yet, if you haven't heard about it yet, the Lux Summit. The Lux Summit is the largest virtual Catholic women's summit. It is June 19th to the 21st, and it's based in this gospel. Our tagline is, let her be light. Let her be light. 
Let's support our other sisters in being lights too. It is contribution over, over comparison. It's contribution over competition. Ladies, you are called to be a light, just like St. Photina. She is a light. She shared Christ with others. We have a powerhouse list of women to preach the gospel. We know, we know right now families are in crisis and people are suffering. Our society is in complete unrest. We know that. But let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is the answer. The gospel is the answer. And I will stand by that to the day I die. It is always going to be Christ that will be the answer to every single problem, every ill, every every, every sin. It is Christ. He is the answer. And we have a team of women ready to preach Christ Jesus to you. I want to personally invite you to attend the Lux Summit. You can go to theluxsummit.com. You can get your ticket there. We have live keynotes. We have breakout sessions. We have a digital work workbook. We have got a Lux Summit shop with discounts in there. If you get the VIP pass, we got giveaways. The VIP passes is 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 what I would want you to to purchase because if you cannot or if you miss one of our live keynotes, the VIP pass gives you the recorded talk of that keynote for you to watch later. So that's the important piece that you want to know about is the VIP pass gives you access to our amazing live keynotes, which are so great because a lot of conferences that are these virtual conferences that have been up um, popping up lately, they're just recorded talks, which are really great. But we wanted to give you an opportunity, especially for so many Catholic women's conferences that have been canceled this year due to COVID and next year. I know my whole schedule was cleared (laughs) as a a Catholic speaker. Um, An opportunity to to hear from some amazing women leaders. We've got people like Lila Rose, Jackie Angel, Emily Wilson, Liz Wheeler, um, Chica Anwanyu. I hope I said your last name right, Chica. Patricia Sandoval, Katie Prejean McGrady. Oh my gosh, Sarah Swafford, um, um, Sister Miriam James, Lisa Canning, Lisa Cotter, Mary Lenneberg, Gia Chacon, um, Kelsey Skoke. There are these are our those are just our live keynotes. And our our breakout sessions are are almost even better. I'm telling you something, they're wonderful. We've also put together a phenomenal digital workbook for you um, that is beyond just the talk title and just a blank piece of paper for you to take notes. We've really put thought into prayer. Um and guiding you through this conference that it's actually going to be a type of conference that you can be a part of and, and participate in and comment on during the talks. Because we are called to be a light, just like the woman in John 4. Again, we are called to be a light, my friends. And I don't know about you, but I just need a lot more Jesus in my life right now. And so this is a conference based on Jesus Christ and his gospel. This is a conference based on us drawing closer to his sacred heart to increasing our devotion to Jesus himself. If that's something you need, then you need to be a part of it. Go to theluxsummit.com, grab your ticket, and I pray to God that I can see you there. And I pray no matter what, no matter what, that this Monday, this day, this beginning of this new week, that you can enter into a deeper peace with Christ Jesus at your side. He is calling you to be a light, and that begins with your encounter with him, who is the center and the source of all light. God love you. God bless. I'll talk to you later.